0: Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day of the same month year by year, as the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness." and from morning into a holiday. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you this morning, as we do each week, to be here with us, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There... There are a couple of things that clergy hear all the time. The first and foremost of these is, I'm sorry I haven't been to church in a couple weeks. (laughs) But probably the thing that I hear second most often is, so what are you preaching on this Sunday? And the truth is that's actually kind of a hard question for me to answer Um, because I sort of say the same thing every Sunday. Um, And so what I usually do when somebody asks me what I'm preaching on is shrug and tell them the truth. I'm going to preach about Jesus. This week, though, if you had asked me, what are you going to preach about on Sunday, you would have gotten a different answer. I would have told you that I'm going to preach about Esther. Now, I wondered when I looked at our reading from Esther what you all would think when it was read to you. I'm sure that you've all read Esther many times in your life, and so you didn't need for us to read this to you, and you had perfect comprehension of what's going on in this story. And when we said, you know, the word of the Lord, you all said, thanks be to God for this wonderfully clear, self-explanatory reading. And we didn't read anything out of Esther last week. We're not going to read anything out of Esther next week. In fact, I looked And I don't know if you all are aware of this, but we have a three-year cycle of readings that are assigned to us, and this week, this reading is the only reading from Esther that you're going to hear, ever. (laughs) So if you missed your chance to understand it, you're out of luck. Luckily, you have me. Um, And in fact, we don't even have a continuous reading from Esther this morning. If you look in your insert, we have a couple of different sections from chapter 7 and then three verses from chapter 9. We can't even offer you a continuous story to help you understand. We hear some names. We have this king, Ahasuerus, Queen Esther, a Mordecai, a Haman. There's a deal made at a dinner party and a hanging but there's no possible way that you can be expected to know what's going on in the story. It's like watching two random three-minute sections from a movie. You don't know who the characters are, you don't know how they relate to each other, and you certainly don't know the point. Well, today I'm going to preach about Esther. The book of Esther is too awesome to be treated so haphazardly. What I'm going to do this morning is to tell you the whole story of the book of Esther. Don't worry, it won't take that long. And then I'm going to tell you the point, which is how the good news of Esther points us to the good news about Jesus Christ. So in the end, guess what? I'm going to talk about Esther, but I'm going to preach about Jesus. So, you Ready? Long, long ago, in a land far, far away, there's a king and a queen. They rule a land that stretches from India to Ethiopia. We have King Ahasuerus and Queen Vashti. Now, King Ahasuerus is a typical king in that he's used to getting his way. In particular, he has rules about who can be in his presence and when. If you're in his presence when you haven't been summoned, or if you are summoned and you don't come, there are dire consequences. In fact, you can be killed for breaking the rules about King Ahasuerus' presence. And at one point, just to illustrate this, he asks his queen, his wife, Queen Vashti, to appear at court just so the kingdom can marvel at how beautiful she is. Now, she must have something else going on because she refuses King Ahasuerus' request, and his response is to have her banished forever from the kingdom. And she's gone from the story. We never hear of her again. Now, King Ahasuerus now needs a queen, right? No king is complete without his queen, and I want you to know that this king, Ahasuerus, is such a classy guy that he decides to hold um, a sex contest to see who his next queen will be, You heard me, right? Okay. So he gathers all the virgins in the kingdom. They all spend one night in the fantasy suite. And uh, Esther wins the contest. Esther is a Jew living in King Ahasuerus' kingdom. She's raised by her cousin, Mordecai, because she doesn't have parents. And she, among all the other young ladies... Um, has to participate in this contest. She ends up winning it and becomes queen. So now we have King Ahasuerus and Queen Esther. So all's well with Esther and her family, right? She's like Aladdin, right? From street rat to the palace. But not so fast. We have a Jafar in this story too. The king's right-hand man is a guy named Haman, who, like all higher-ups... And certainly, like King Ahasuerus, likes to be shown honor. And he wants everyone to bow down to him. But Mordecai, being a Jew, refuses to bow down. So Haman, a little miffed by this, and he looks for an appropriate sort of response and decides that because Mordecai, a Jew, won't bow down to him, he's going to kill every single Jew in the entire kingdom. So, Haman goes to the king and gets the king to make a decree that on a certain day, the 13th day of Adar, all Jews in the kingdom will be destroyed. This day will be set aside for the destruction of the Jews. And again, because these are two Classy guys, they make a public pronouncement of this upcoming day to give the Jews time to mourn their own coming deaths. This is cold-blooded. They decide, as though it weren't enough to just decide to slaughter all the Jews in the kingdom, they then make the pronouncement public to give the people to be slaughtered time to mourn their own deaths. Remember, Esther, the queen, is a Jew. So she decides that she has to do something to save her people. She knows she has to go to the king. But remember, there are these very strict rules about the king's presence. You have to come when he summons you. You cannot come when you aren't Summoned, And Esther has not been summoned into the king's presence for 30 days. So she knows she's taking a giant risk going to see him. Because of what happened, remember, to Queen Vashti, who just because she had something else going on was banished forever. So Esther says in chapter 4, verse 16, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish... I perish. So she goes and she stands in his sort of inner courtyard, presenting herself to him. Luckily for Esther and for everyone, he decides that he likes it, he's into it, and so he invites her into the palace. And after sort of some ins and outs of the story, a couple dinner parties, some palace intrigue, the king finally asks Esther what it is that she wants. And this is when we have this little first section from our reading this morning. Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people. That is my request. So Esther petitions the king for the salvation of her people. And the king grants her request. And then he does something amazing. He decides, he decrees, that the 13th day of Adar, the very day that had been set aside for the destruction of the Jews, he decrees that the Jews should instead conquer all of their enemies. And Haman, remember the Jafar character, the guy who's trying to get all the Jews destroyed, he gets hung on the same gallows that he'd prepared for Mordecai. Now here's Esther chapter 9 and verse 1. Now in the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, i.e. the slaughter of all the Jews, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. And so, to remember this event, the Jews decided that the next two days would always be celebrated year after year after year, as we read in our reading, as days that had been, quote, turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday now i promised that i would preach about jesus now here i go the story of esther this amazing story with its ins and outs is a clear foreshadowing of another story the old old story the story of the gospel the good news about jesus christ this how god works in the story of Esther is how God has always worked to save his people. You see, Ahasuerus set a decree that all of God's people would perish. Now, our God has set an unfortunately similar decree. For instance, in Romans chapter 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. We read, A little bit about this in our gospel lesson this morning from Mark about getting rid of the part of you that is causing you to sin, right? If it's your hand, cut it off. If it's your foot, cut it off. If it's your eye, pluck it out. Whatever is causing the sin in your life, get rid of it so that you don't have to die. Well, of course, these superficial changes aren't really solving anybody's problems. It's not really my hand or my foot or my eye that's causing me to sin, is it? It's my heart. And I could argue, convincingly I think, that I could survive without a hand and without a foot and without an eye. But were I to cut out the thing that is actually causing me to sin? My heart? No one can survive that. The wages of sin... His death. Now, Esther's people were targeted unjustly at the whim of the selfishness of Haman. We, on the other hand, are targeted justly due to our own selfishness and sin. Now, there's no way out for anyone without someone to stand between us and the king. We are all going to be destroyed. But Esther puts herself there, between her people and her angry king. She risks her human life and her earthly throne to save her people. Jesus forsakes his heavenly throne to come to earth to take up and to then give up a human life to stand between us sinful people and our holy God. Jesus abandons his kingdom to save us. Esther knew that her actions might cost her her life. If I perish, she says, I perish. Jesus knew for sure that what he would do would cost him his life, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. Because of Esther's intervention, a second decree is put out, overriding the first. The day of death became for the Jews the day of new life. Defeat became victory. Because of Christ's intervention, a second decree is put out over us as well. The the law of sin and death is overridden by the gospel of new life in Jesus Christ. The day that seemed for all the world like a day of death, with a crucified criminal hanging on a cross outside the gates of the city, became for us a day of new and unending life. It is finished, cried Jesus. Our sin laid on his shoulders, his perfection given to us. On that day, God turned the death of his son into eternal life for all of his adopted children, you and me. A day that turned then from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. And now we live in Esther's kingdom. Our enemies, sin and death, have been destroyed by our intercessor, Jesus Christ. Now, like the Jews in the kingdom of Ahasuerus and Esther, we are free because of our Savior, to live. The Jews needed to know no fear while Esther was on the throne. And though Esther's kingdom is a distant memory, Christ is on his heavenly throne even now. There is no condemnation for us, his brother's And sisters, his blood still intercedes for us. He still stands in the courtyard pleading for us. His purity still covers our sinfulness every single day. Like Esther's people, we are safe on account of a Savior. We need no no fear while Christ reigns. And he reigns forever and ever. Amen.